Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And today we thought that we would begin to tackle the mountainous load of private messages Jane and I have been receiving on Facebook. To look at our Facebook page, you'd think that we didn't have a soul following us, but we can tell you that it's very busy behind the scenes where nobody wants to share their personal information in the public forum, right? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I actually find this with all of the different you know, shows and things I do is that it's private. It is private. It, people don't want to be have their Facebook page linked to, I've got this problem with my partner. That's right. You know, um, so, yeah, I think it's great that we can tackle some of these. So we've had some lovely people who write us the most amazing questions actually from all over the world. And just today we thought that we'd pick three good ones and we'd spend 10 minutes on each. And we picked ones that are obviously universal enough to be of interest to everyone listening. So the first one um, – I'm just going to read this out. So the girl's written, it's about the idea of loving or being magnetically drawn to someone you don't even like as a person. So she says, it's an experience I'm having with someone I broke up with a while ago, wouldn't even want to be friends with the person, yet can't stop thinking about them. (laughs) Actually, it's quite common. Do you see that a lot with your clients? Well, it's not an abundance, but I do see it. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And, and it is so hard for this person, you know, because they want to, they want to cut free. They want to be open to experience a beautiful, healthy, loving relationship with somebody that they really do like and are connected to. However, this draw stops them from moving forward. So before I know you're going to go straight into past lives, I'm going to go into this lifetime first God, and say, you know, what I want people to then look at is, What it is, when we're drawn to somebody that we really don't like, it is because they've got the most to teach us about ourselves. Love it. (laughs) So as painful as this exercise is going to be, I would encourage her to be writing the list of all of the qualities that she doesn't like about this person and then having a look at those qualities within herself. Now, the first thing that's important to understand is that we are all things. We're not just good stuff. We're bad stuff as well. And I don't even think of it as bad. It's how you choose to operate. Do you operate from love or do you operate from fear? So, for example, you could be a um, an arrogant, judgmental manipulator. <laughs> and if you're coming from fear, that is going to be one of the most revolting experiences to be around. But if you're arrogant, judgmental, manipulative, but coming from love, you're going to be somebody that a lot of people are going to want to be around because that's actually uplifting and motivation, motivational. So have a look at the qualities. So you've got your list of qualities. Now just start with one. Like in our last podcast where we just talked about when a button gets pressed, you just start healing one past painful memory at a time. So too do you embrace one negative quality within yourself, one quality at a time. So look at the reason that the, just pick one reason that you really dislike this person. And then what I want you to do is apply it to yourself. Is this within you? And the chances are you're going to say, no, I'd never be like that. But I want you to go deeper than that. I want you to really explore your past with kindness to yourself, but an honesty. You have to be honest here and say, have you actually in the past been this quality? And find the examples of when you have. Now, I can bet your bottom dollar that you are you have, or if you haven't, you've grown up in a family that had that quality within it, and you chose consciously or subconsciously to lead your adult life 
denying this particular quality within yourself because you only ever saw it played out in the shadow side, in the negative side, in the fear side. But I want you to then look at this quality and think, how could this be played out in the positive when you were coming from love? And as you start to recognize the beautiful, rich reasons why this is an amazing quality in the positive, you can now start to own that maybe you do have this quality as well within yourself. So this is how you learn to love yourself fully, by recognizing that you do have that quality. You may have only ever played it out in the positive, but own that if you come from fear, you actually could, if you chose to, play it out in the negative. So you now have a new quality that you own within yourself and a new part of you that you are now loving. So as you work through the list with this person of all of the qualities that you really dislike, what they are doing is holding a mirror up to you, to the parts of you that have not been owned, that have not been loved, that have been suppressed into the basement. And ultimately, as you work through this list, one quality at a time, you start to become wholer. Yeah, <laughs> just that, made up a word. Yeah, it's more whole. But yeah, it, it, it is. You're fuller. You're richer. You are more complete. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that that sort of level of shadow work is very deep and sophisticated and good on you. If you're going to sit down and do that homework, Jane's just set for you. But oh, it's the best I mean, thing I ever did. You must see it though, commonly, for example, in the dating world with Jane's matchmaking agency, which is like people once had a really bad relationship with somebody, and even though intellectually and logically you can tell yourself that person is so no good for me, and they're all wrong for me on paper, and it was never going to work. You still are hooked to them. Yes. That, that's common, isn't it? Yes. Is it just because it's the last time we ever loved or is it that, that they left such an impression on us or because we're single or what do you think? You know, it, there's a lot of answers to that question, but probably the most common one is that as time, you know, you end a relationship because it's toxic, it's not right for you, you end it or it was ended for you. And then you move on initially with great excitement to now I'm open and I'm free and I can have this amazing relationship then that person doesn't come along or you, or they have come along, but you've not seen them and grabbed the opportunity. And so now what happens is that the past starts to change and you start to view the past relationship as being something that it actually wasn't. And we are wonderful at being able to remember the good and let go of the bad. And I think this is a beautiful, healthy quality. You know, it's a really wonderful thing to be able to do. However, sometimes we need to check ourselves on that and actually do remember really what the relationship is about. You know, it fascinates me when I'll get people that will say, so excited, I'm reconciling with my ex. And I'll say, that is such good news. I'm so pleased. Now, are you, how are you resolving the issues that caused the breakdown? Yeah. Oh, no, we're different now. Everything's fine. Yeah. Crap. You've got to resolve those issues. What it is is that you've perhaps recognized maybe the grass isn't greener and you really have recognized that there were beautiful qualities that at the time you weren't seeing in each other and honoring and valuing and now you are, which is exciting. That's the time to work on the stuff that broke you up. When you're feeling good about each other is the perfect time to be doing it. Yeah. Look, and of course, from my spiritual point of view, I also think people have very deep, complex soul histories and karmas. So, yeah, absolutely the people that piss you off the most are the ones you've got the biggest soul connections with because they're here to teach you the lessons and you can't run away from them. So in the case of this girl who's written a letter, so she's saying, 
you know, I, I just, I'm so magnetized is the word she used. I'm so drawn to someone I don't even like. And she says, um, don't even want to be friends with them, but can't stop thinking about them. Darling, it's a psychic hook. Like sometimes it's actually, actually like an umbilical cord in the ether that is still connecting you to a person that you've been with intimately in the past. And unless you've gotten out your great big golden pair of scissors and done a great big karate chop, you know, kamikaze right through that cord, um, you can still feed energy back and forth to each other. You know, they can still affect you. Do you food. want to explain the cord cutting technique? Well, there's I know of, it's a long one, but just, just, there's lots just of different do a ways short of, version. of doing it. But I mean, you know, you can call in, you know, people often say, Archangel Michael, come in and do it for me. Just, can you just sever any old, even like, you know, from past lives, oaths or vows you may have spoken in past lives of marriage or loyalty or commitment to this person, which in this lifetime no longer resonate, but they're mm. still in your soul history and your cellular memory. You're calling your car- the karmic board. Yeah. So you just call in your higher helpers to just do what needs to be done to free and extricate yourself from this person emotionally, physically, energetically. I mean, you've, you've probably already done the physical or the geographic separation in real world terms, sorry, but it's the, it's the emotional and, and mental and energetic severing that now needs to take place. And just, again, the fact that, you know, I, I do believe and see in, in the work that I do with people that we're in soul families, and soul families come and go through various incarnations, and we take all different roles to each other all the time. So all the significant key players in your life and those people that do press your buttons, get under, under your skin or that you can't stop thinking about, like they're just really important soul Um you know, soul soul mates to you actually is what they are, and you know sh- this girl who's written to us, she might never talk to this man ever again. Um, but yeah, she's got a shared history with him, and I bet she's got future lives with him too. So <laughs> it's complicated, but maybe she just needs to take a bit of a grip on herself and say, look, that's enough for this lifetime. Let it go. You know, a little bit of mental discipline here, and just let it be. Move on. The other thing just on that is that the, of course, oxytocin the bonding so yes. she needs to make sure now oxytocin is, is the hormone that's released in our body that bonds men and women together in a relationship um it's more bonds women to men rather than the other way around oh I don't, that's a long story we've talked about that in another podcast James we won't get theory. into it now but having said that what you need to recognize that is if you see his name if you look at photos if you have text messages that you you review if you're friends with him on facebook every time you see him your body is releasing more oxytocin which is bonding you to him so you actually have to have a complete detox you can't have any photos they would need to be face down bottom drawer no accidents delete from facebook block all of those things yeah can't take the delete the text messages the whole lot okay. all right so thank you to that anonymous <laughs> listener for her question we're going to do the next question now if you hear any strange banging noises those are the builders next door to jane's house that's not our fault we can't control that <laughs> wish i could how's this question if you had one bad first sexual experience how do you change your story Wow, I've gone silent on that one going, okay, all right. I think that you need to recognize that any situation that you ever place yourself into can never, ever be reproduced exactly the same again because we are talking two different people. For example, this girl, is it a girl? Yeah, I presume This girl is not the same person that she was as a person when that experience occurred. She is older, she is wiser, she's had different experiences. So therefore, even if she wanted to recreate the exact same scenario, even with the same man, it's impossible. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean that she wouldn't have a different version of a bad sexual experience, but it's not going to be the same one. We just cannot reproduce anything ever. 
no matter how hard we try. And yet we allow it to imprison us, you know, bad memories and, and bad traumas can hold us back for years and years and years or lifetimes. Absolutely. The other thing to look at is what is the gift that occurred in this relationship? So explore, like you might be in a victim mode here where you're actually really exploring how can I move forward because this was such a foul experience. But when you can own the role that you played in it and you can get become enlightened from this, you can have greater clarity of who you are or who you were in that particular scenario. That starts to heal the process because you can then see the role that you played that was for your greater learning. The other thing is that what were the gifts that you've learned since this? So what have you learned from the experience that you now know about yourself that you didn't know about yourself prior to having this experience? How has it made you who you are? Yes, that's it. So then that is also a part of self-love, a part of self-actualization, understanding who you are. And as you answer that question, once more, there's the gifts. So in time, that actually diffuses the charge on the situation. You're now grateful for having had that experience because without that experience, you wouldn't be the person that you now are. Jane, if I'm allowed to be personal, you had a bad first sexual experience. Oh, shocking. Absolutely shocking. (laughs) She's laughing now. I am laughing, but I've actually got my younger daughter who's homesick in her bedroom at the moment. We don't 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 think I want to go into that right now. We don't need to go into it. Well, I would. It's just that she will that's for her to know when she's a little bit older. But all I want to ask you is, what is the work that you've done over the years to ensure that you have deep, rich, filling connections with the opposite sex? What did you Owning the role that I played in it, owning the role that I was very needy of external validation and that I wanted the attention to a certain Extent as crazy as it sounds, it, it does. It is something that can happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so from that, I recognised that I really was this grandstanding, attention-seeking person. It was a massive aha moment for me to own that and then recognise why was I doing that, mm. and then start to learn the self-love, start to recognise, give myself the love that I was seeking from others and from the wrong ones and from toxic people. Now, funnily enough, as I grew in self-love, I would never allow anybody to treat me like that. Yes. Ever. So you've watched. I have standards now that I just didn't have. The men that you attract in on a certain vibration, you've seen that shift over the decades. Massively. You're at with self-worth. Exactly. It's a direct reflection. It is the law of attraction. Mm. It is the law of vibration. That how where we are feeling about ourselves is exactly what we're going to attract into it our is. lives. And that, and you know often you know people come to me and they'll be like, oh, tell me about my future partner and what does he look like and rah, rah. And I'll say, you know, you've still got a lot of self work to do before you're ready for him, and he's likewise still on his journey, and he's preparing himself to meet you. And it might not be for seven years or ten years, you know. And until then, he could walk into the same bar you're going to tonight, and you won't even see him. Won't see them. Well, isn't that interesting? Because I actually saw my husband. We were at a twenty first birthday party together. Didn't see him. He didn't see me. I would have seen him as some boring person, and he would have seen me as some grandstanding extrovert. Yeah, and. Fast forward 10 years, 
and we saw each other instantly, yeah. cleanly, because clearly. you had come to the same frequency. <laughs> it's like That's a vibrational. Right. It's like tuning into a radio. It is. Or, or you know, it's almost like a dimension. You finally met each other in the same space because you hadn't been in the same, you know, quite the same level of soul growth on your journeys together up to that point. Um, something else I want to say about the, you know, so this girl's saying, you know, I had a bad sexual experience. How do I move on from that? How do I change my story? And I think it's important here to note what Byron Katie says about this kind of stuff. Um, Byron Katie, of course, wrote the work. It's, it's quite amazing. She's, she's, when she speaks to child abuse victims in particular, and she'll say things like, you know, the actual incident that you're telling me happened, you know, it might have actually only happened once. It might have happened once for three minutes or 20 minutes, and maybe it was hour and, an hour and a half. And yet you've played that incident out hundreds. Thousands, thousands, tens of thousands of times mm. in your head in the preceding six decades or the decades However after. Long. And so this is where we really do need to take a check on ourselves and stop actually being the victims. And, of course, we've done podcasts on this, you know, victim to victor and changing the story and that kind of thing. It's extremely important that we don't put ourselves in a victim box and hold ourselves to that story for a very long time. So by all means, go and do the work on it. Get the help, whether it's counselling, therapy, purging out the demons, the emotions, um, whatever you need to do to heal uh, what, what may have been a terrible experience for you and to better understand yourself how and why the, the girl that you were attracted in and came to that experience at that time, as Jane has been saying, you know, what the gifts were, why you needed it, what role you played, why the other soul put up their hand to play their role, um, just to have a deeper spiritual understanding of who you are and where you're going and what you would like in the future. Is there anything more to say on that, Jane? No, I think that's covered off. I think all, actually, no, the, another thing I will say is that it is really common for people, I don't know, when she says a bad first sexual experience, I'm not really sure how bad and how do we compare, but it is really common for people to not have good first sexual experiences. And so it is clumsy and awkward and it just doesn't go very well. And so I think that the mature step forward, now I'm assuming that this wasn't violent or against her will, Um, so we don't really know enough to really know which path to go down here. But I just want to touch on and say that first sexual experiences really are not going to be a finessed act because it is about two people learning to get into each other's beautiful energy and that takes time Mm -hmm. and that takes being comfortable together and so you know if you've got everything happening beautifully in this relationship and it's just not quite happening in that area then just give it a bit of time open communication we've actually got a good podcast what did we do that you talked a lot about the different senses and yeah there's a sex one i forget what it's called oh, cool. sex sex and more sex <laughs> sex sex and yeah. more sex have a listen to that one there's lots of tips in there i think we need to be very forgiving ourselves too you know and for everyone listening maybe for you listening it wasn't a sexual experience but it was a bad first job interview or, or it was a bad you know any first time experience in anything that was mortifying or embarrassing or didn't work out or we felt foolish or just didn't like how well we fronted up and presented you know life's full of things like that and we need to be very kind on ourselves and you know that's important. I like you've said that because we do, we do want every first experience on anything to be great. We're such perfectionists in Western so society. Isn't. We just think we we have to be amazing straight off, you know, straight off the starting block. But no, it's it's all about the rungs of the ladder and, and experience and learning as you go. And so be kind and be gentle with yourself as as you climb through your wisdom. Nice. nice. Now the final question we thought we'd touch on um, is how do I tell my parents I'm gay? Which we might even want to expand out on and just talk a little bit because we haven't on this show talked really at any length about homosexuality, bisexuality, 
transgender anything, maybe this is a time for us to, to, to talk to anyone listening who's got those people in their lives or, or, or experienced that. Look, themselves. I think that these days everybody has friends um, or a family member who absolutely is, you know, whether they are a bisexual, homosexual, um, lesbian, transgender, you know, everybody knows somebody. And so it's important to understand the journey that they're going on so that we can be compassionate. Now, it's interesting, this whole thing about coming uh, coming out. I did a television series quite a few years ago. It was fabulous, called uh, called Get Up Tucked. <laughs> I'm to say that very carefully. Oh, it's, it was hilarious. It was so hot that TV wouldn't touch it. The only station that would touch it was the community station. The first episode that they played got so much feedback that they were playing it five times a week. We only shot 13 episodes, wow. and it went on repeat for a couple of years jane, they just kept I repeating just, it jane always has stories that i've never heard before never heard this story before jane <laughs> okay well this one was gorgeous i had this little segment called um oh, i can't remember what it was called now it was that long ago um what's your point or oh, so i can't remember what it was called anyway i had this little segment where it was just a, a 10 minute spot where i got to ask two drag queens and a post-operative transgender uh and a gay guy i got to interview the four of them about whatever topics I wanted to talk about. So we talk about same gender adoption and party drugs and circumcision. Is it cosmetic surgery? And it really fired up good, strong topics. It was fabulous. Wow. So one of the things was I talked about was coming out. And one of, uh, one of the guys, uh, homosexual guys said to me, it's it, nobody's business. Why do you have to come out? You don't come out as a heterosexual. Yeah. You don't say to everyone, woohoo, I've lost my virginity. I'm, an, I'm heterosexual. <laughs> it's nobody's <laughs> business. And he really took me back because he was such a good friend of mine. And I was saying to him, you know, I, I had a lot of dancers that worked for me that were gay. And so, and there was one in particular that I did help him tell his parents because it was forced on him that if he didn't, one of his friends was going to. And that's so wrong. That's so not fair. That decision out of his hands. Yeah, a friend. A friend said, I'm telling your mother, your mother should know. And so he was forced to tell. Amazing how the personal becomes political and how people's lives become public property like that. So wrong. It's the same as pregnant women. If anyone sees a baby inside someone's tummy, they think they've got a right to know what's best for that situation. Yeah, it's wrong, isn't it? Yeah, it's fascinating. And so um, I did help him. Now, my experience is that if you are born homosexual, if you're born gay, your parents, if they are loving, connected parents, are not going to have any surprise. There's not going to be any surprise. And and if they're not, and if they're hyper-religious and conservative and closed down, they do know as well, but they can't handle it. That's right. So this, and, And that's what the fear is. The fear is that, you know, am I going to be judged? Am I going to be unloved? Am I going to be disowned? It's a huge fear for them. And you know what? All sexuality aside, sexuality is just a tool. If it wasn't being gay, it would have been you had two heads or a conjoined twin or some other you know quote unquote freakdom that would have made everybody else question themselves their lives their purposes their self-worth their self-love and you are the brave strong soul who's put up your hand to come through and hold up that mirror to the rest of them that's right and that's what these situations anytime it's a minority group oh yeah absolutely um but even just the average you know gay kid with lovely supportive parents who still has to go out in the schoolyard or has to go out to the job interview or you know deal with however they meet in in the path of their life I mean, it's only the strongest souls that put up their hands for these kind of lives, and they're usually here to be our teachers. You know, it's really about the rest of us trying to come to the party with, you know, figuring out how we feel and identify with the stuff that is confronting or, you know, challenging for us. That's right. I feel the best way to talk to your parents is with kindness, 
and understanding the fear that they may have. My experience is that most actually don't and they just go, well, about time you told us and I'm so pleased and have you got a partner and when can we meet him or her? <laughs> yeah. um, but having said that, there are, of course, a lot of stories of people that have been ostracised. You know what, we can't, we, well, we do choose our parents from the other side, but we haven't chosen our parents on this side. So your family are the people that you choose to spend the most time with. Now, most gay people will have a beautiful, rich network of very supportive, loving friends. That's who you seek your validation from. That's who you spend your time with. So if you do lose family members through this, and I really hope that you don't, but if you do, it could just be temporary. They just need time to process it, okay? They Mm. need. Thankfully, our society has more and more beautiful role models of amazing people of all forms of of gender persuasion or or whatever. I'm not even using the right terminology now, but, um, but... but I don't think this is something that is so feared. Um, the sooner that our government legalises gay marriage, the better, because that's just giving power to the wrong people. However, having said that, what the plus side of that that I'm actually a bit excited about, like if there's got to be a gift in everything. So while I am incredibly and have been forever embarrassed by the Australian government to not legalise gay marriage, I just think it's it's ridiculous. It's draconian. It's absolutely ridiculous. The fact that they haven't, what has happened is that the heterosexual community has got very vocal about it. Yeah. I mean, you can go on any, anybody's Facebook feed and somebody will have up there some, you know, that, that uh, symbol, the pink and red symbol for supporting gay marriage. It is everywhere. So what's happened is that we've now got an open communication happening out there where the tribes are building, that there are so many beautiful heterosexual people that don't see any difference because there is no difference. Now, that touches on another thing too, was that I actually had a question recently uh, for a radio station from a girl who said she wanted to tell her mother that she had recently met a lovely girl and she had strong feelings for her and that she wanted to try having a same-gender relationship. And then she said, how do I tell my mum I'm gay? And I thought, well, you're not. You could be. You may not be. Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> and, Beck, <laughs> you gave matter. some great wisdom on that. Do you want to share what? Because I loved what you said. Well, only because, again, with my clients, every now and then I'll have a young girl, it's usually girls, um, or a mother come to me and say, my child um, who, for example, my daughter has had a boyfriend, but now she's with a girl and she says she's a lesbian. And I say, no, she's not. <laughs> and, and I don't mean, oh, she's just at uni, she's experimenting. What I mean is your daughter is a very old soul. And the thing about old souls is they don't actually see gender. They just see other souls that they need to have important kind of connections with. It's really just that's what it comes down to. And I think that the more higher vibrational we become, the more spiritually evolved we become as a, as a human race, the more it really does cease to be about gender. In, in the same way that we know for those of us that are hetero, you know, that masculine feminine blur that happens within us, like, you know, men who are in touch with their feminine side and it's not threatening. If, if, if you are a woman who's well balanced and, you know, loves and accepts people unconditionally and, you know, men can accept their femaleness and their maleness and women can accept their maleness and their So, I mean, I just think we, labeling is just so convenient for people to feel comfort zoned with, you know, we need yes. to put everyone into a box and a label, but the only well, other which brings us to transgender, you know, why do we have to have male or female? Why is the first question that people say when they give birth to a baby is what gender is it? it these these things you know, are very, it's very deeply so entrenched. Fashioned well and... it's 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 deep and, and those those questions are even bigger and harder. But you know and you know, the transgenders, the transsexuals that, that put up their hands to come in this lifetime and, and, and lead that path. I mean, as well as anyone who 
has to live a bit of a life as publicly saying, look, I'm gay or I'm bisexual or I'm lesbian or, or any minority queer, or whatever else you, you know, want to somebody call. of a different culture that's living within a predominant other culture. Yeah, anything like that. You know what? It's all a case of being proud and comfortable with who you are and that is the biggest soul lesson that you are here to learn. And like we said, you know, this conversation isn't even about sexuality at all. This is about how loyal and knowing and strong are you when it comes to your own true self and how far are you prepared to go to defend the essence of who you truly are? Jane's getting all soft and teary. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I just think it's beautiful. It is beautiful. That's what this is all about. That's what the soul lessons are, I think, in so many of these cases. And when you, when you are a part of a minority group, which let me say every single person listening to this podcast is a part of some minority yeah. group, we all are, you know, it's actually called, on one level it's called so what? Understand whatever your trait is. Understand whatever it is about you that places you in a minority group and feel good about that. Protect it, manage it as well as you can. Own it. As you feel bolder, <laughs> absolutely. As you feel older, as you, as you own it, as you feel bolder, then get out there and sprout your stuff, mm. which is exactly what we do on this podcast. You know, most, you wouldn't know this listening, but Beck, was concerned about coming out as a psychic doing this coming podcast. Out of, coming out of the broom closet. 45 or 6 or 7 episodes ago, you know, and, and there were times that I wouldn't have talked about being highly sensitive or, dare I say it, it was, you know, only last week's podcast that I came out about being an empath. And so I've never actually told anyone that. Yeah, it's one of the most important things we can do in society is to be transparent. I think it's the bravest thing that's being asked of us right now is to say, this is who I am, like me or leave me. This is who I am. I don't need to apologize for it. You know, I don't need to justify it or give any excuses or change who I am on any given day or hour to fit in with, with the masses. This is a time in the world for being real and being authentic, particularly because there's so many people who aren't and media doesn't show us a lot of that kind of role modeling. So be proud to be who you are, whoever that is. And um, if people don't like it, this is a lot more about them than it says about you. I think that's a fabulous way to end the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We are, of course, on iTunes, but also on thewellnesspatch.com every Wednesday, half an hour show free for your We'll just give them pleasure. our Facebook page but because yes. people want to send private messages Do. to us. Go, okay, Jane. so if you want to message us, uh, it is facebook.com forward slash love life show. That's all one word. Love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. We love getting your feedback and hearing your questions, and we'll do more of this in the weeks to come. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.